Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It's around 6 on Sunday night. I'm Sharon James. This is the Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX93.5. And my guest tonight is a fascinating woman, Cynthia Shelton. She lives on... A boat she bought for very little money, quite an old boat that she fixed up herself and sailed herself down from Northern California to dock in Dana Point Harbor. It's unusual for a woman to live on a boat alone, especially a relatively young one. She's also, amongst other things you're going to hear about, a cartoonist. So she has cartooned some of these stories and characters you're going to be hearing about in her comic book entitled Dock Dorks. I'm sitting on Cynthia's boat now, and she's going to tell us some of her stories and romantic adventures. I didn't mean to buy the boat. It kind of came to me. I met a guy on Craigslist, (laughs) (laughs) and I really was bored with my job. I was at a a department in Stanford, and it was really a dead-end job, and I was overqualified for it. And I couldn't laterally move, which I tried to for two and a half years, but... In academia? Um, Yeah, in academia. So I was approaching 40 and thought, I'm just bored. I've got to go do something. And I put a Craigslist ad in, and the one person I started to write to said, hey, I have this boat down in Redwood City, and would you like to come down and see it? I'm like, well, it's a Friday night. It's July or August or something. It's a beautiful night. Why not? If he's weird, I'll just get my car and leave. So I went down, and he handed me aboard this boat, and a shooting star went over the bow right at that moment. And at that moment, I fell in love with the boat. But not him? Yeah. (laughs) Another story. And we're going to hear that story a little later on. Just a reminder that you're tuned to the Sharon Hour, Sharon James on Laguna's KX93.5, talking to solo yachts person and many other things, as you'll hear, Cynthia Shelton, who has been living on her boat in Dana Point Harbor. She met a guy with a boat and, well, I'll let her tell it. I came down into the cabin and felt at home. I felt like this was a a realistic space. It felt like any number of little trucks or little vans that I had renovated and made into camper vans, because I've done that for years. It felt like a very cozy little apartment. And I thought, God, I could do this. And then I didn't think about it for another month or so. And he taught me how to sail it. And he gave me an idea of how it could be done, a notion of how it could be done. So it was functioning at that point? Yes, but it was very bare bones. None of what you see here right now was there. None of the stuff on the walls or the furnishings. It was pretty bare bones. Are you handy? Yes, I do everything myself. 
I call myself a boat systems actuator. Did you make that up? I did. Ah. <laughs> it's just to say that I work on all of the systems on my boat. And it also is an acronym for BSA. Uh, BSA was also pointed out to me that it was a bullshit artist. artist. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So do you do plumbing and stuff? Yes. Can I, I hire you as a plumber? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I did the plumbing in the boat. I put the toilet in, the head in, and all the plumbing for the different water tanks. I was told that a captain should know every inch of her boat from tip to stern, top to bottom, tip to stern. And so you taught yourself? Did you go to lessons? I books. I yes. learn most of the stuff by books. Reference. I love reference. And you can pretty much find out whatever you need to know if you're a good good reader and a good study. Do you have TV here or anything? I have a computer that I bring on board so I can watch DVDs. I get radio. And tell me about living on a boat. For people who have never lived on a boat, what would be the main difference between living the on a boat? The main difference is the small space that you're trying to move into. I moved from a one-bedroom apartment into a boat and I was able to take about a quarter of my things. So you really have to decide what's important. That table I had for 15 years and I just didn't want to part with it. So I took it apart and I reassembled it into doors. And much of this I did, actually all of this I did. This was a gutted boat when I got it. It was actually sinking when the guy before me got it. And he was a shipwright and he got it to be seaworthy. And I asked how much it cost in the range, just to give people an idea. Of uh, about a thousand bucks. To buy? Well, it was falling apart. It's the 1967 Lindsay 30, which is the prequel to the Newport series. So I like to say La Bonita is the grandmother to all of the Newport 30 series, and there's many, many, many out there. In 1967, this boat was built, very thick fiberglass, before they knew how thin they could build it. So it's very sturdy, it's very beamy, it's 11 feet wide. And how much did it cost to renovate it? Get it into well, working I, condition? Well, I couldn't tell you because I did everything myself with a lot of found materials. So it cost me something to get specialized tools every now and then. But And when you say found, where do you find them? People chuck stuff all the time. People throw in things boat away. Yards. Boat yards and also in marinas when there are a bunch of liverboards. Uh, they're constantly refurbishing and then deciding that this bunch of sticks that they've been carrying around that are nice teak but they they're never going to use them they'll leave them by the dump usually to the left or the right of the dumpster yeah. and and people recycle them and we all recycle stuff that way yeah and i'm a dumpster diver but i don't <laughs> buy things for boats so right i but, can just go out on heavy duty garbage we, day yeah we have all the same needs everybody needs you know some little bit of plastic or you can ask people the other day i needed a little breaker and I asked a friend if he had a breaker for my electrical system. And he said, oh, yeah, I have a spare 15 up. And he didn't need it. And so you swap things. And I also worked at West Marine for a little while, and you get a very good discount. So the things that I couldn't find or swap, I bought at a discount from West Marine while I was an employee. You're tuned to the Sharon Hour. Sharon James on Laguna's one and only KX93.5. My guest tonight is solo yachts person Cynthia Shelton. She lives on her boat. She has sailed it down from Northern California and she has many tales to tell. And you're going to hear some of the choice ones on tonight's Sharon Hour. But if along the way on the soundtrack you hear some kind of clanky sounds, that is the sound of a burgee line. You yachtsmen out there probably know what a burgee is, but I didn't. What's a burgee line? Burgee is uh, one of these little flags, a little pointy flag, which is an indication of my yacht club. As a B for Berkeley, Berkeley Yacht Club, and I carry extras because when I go visiting other yacht clubs, if they don't have a burgee, we do a burgee swap, which I did with Dana West Yacht Club 
last month. So then you go with the Dana West flag. I take their flag and I send it home to Berkeley and they put it up in their lobby. And so we have a reciprocity. Somebody from their club goes to our club. They get to stay for three days free on their dock. And when I came here, I got to stay three days free with them. That's very good. Yes. And you naturally have a peripatetic spirit. Living on this boat is the longest that I've lived anywhere. Any one bed. You're a seven years in so spirit. I, I guess so. I mean, it was that way when I was a child, and I just continued the pattern. We moved every two or three years. You'd have to ask my mother why that was. <laughs> Single mom? Uh, for a while, but then my stepfather joined us. It takes about two to three years to establish connections in a community for most people. As soon as we started to do that, she would rip up the roots and take us somewhere else. So what I learned from Why? that, she likes her anonymity. She doesn't like people knowing her, but she grew up in the same place her whole life and she wanted something else. So yes. she rebelled. So my rebellion has been that I do like to know who my neighbors are and I do get involved in the community and I care about wherever I am. And if I don't care about it, I shouldn't be there. So you move on when you're bored with that community? Well, no, if, if something else calls me, like if, if it hasn't clicked, yes, then there's something else to do. There are reasons I seek opportunities and if the cost benefit analysis doesn't meet properly then I'm looking around for something else. So in many cases it just wasn't working out and something else called to me and I went. And you'd never sailed before? I'd never sailed before. That is the weird part. And we're going to hear all about Cynthia's sailing adventures on this Sharon Hour with Sharon James on Lagunas KX 93.5. Just to back up, you went on Craigslist to look for a man or a boat? Oh, no, I went to look for a friend to go to the beach with, actually. So that was a date. It had never occurred to me to live on a boat before. I would have done it a lot sooner if it had been presented to me earlier, because it's so suit me. It did, and that you just got on the boat and you thought, this is me? Well, no, several months went by, and then I discovered he was um, married, had a kid, and was a felon on the run. Yeah, Lovely. so trip, oh, trifecta three bad, and you're three out. strikes, and I said, out, out, out of my life. <laughs> and I said, well, look here. And he bought another boat. He bought a bigger boat, and he was trying to sell this one. And so I said, look, I'll, I'll take this one. Where was his wife and kid while he was sailing around? In the Northwest. So once I found out that there was that whole scene behind there, uh, I said, you leave, I am get the boat, and this is why yeah, I met you. You kicked him off the boat. I, well, I bought his boat, and I said, go take your boat and get out of my life. Can I express to you the joy I felt when I realized that I had found the perfect man for me? The man who could make me feel all the things I felt a woman should feel. I said, darling, I want to be the perfect woman for you. Together we can make it. It's going to be all right. Forget about what society says is or isn't or what can or cannot be. Keep getting up. He quit his job. I said, well, my darling, I, I hate to get in your business, you know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, about the gas and the electricity and, and, well, not that I am equating a job with your manhood, you understand, but, I mean, you did have a choice in this. 
I figure if I got to get up and, and go to work every day, then uh, every able-bodied in the household is supposed to get up and go. If for some reason you feel that you can no longer be the man that I thought you were at the beginning of our relationship, then I got this one thing to lay on you, my sweet. Go away, little boy. Why don't you just go away, little boy? You see, I understand, I recognize the fact that your lips, oh, so sweet. Ow! But it don't look like our lips ain't gonna never have another chance to meet. I think I can find myself another man. And I know what to do when I got somebody who can be true. So why don't you run, 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 run away, little boy? Let the doorknob hit you where the dog should have bit you, little boy. Cause you're hurting me more. Every minute that you delay. To understand, so my man, just go on away, just go on away, just go on away, little boy. Before I do something rash, oh, I'm running, 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 Cause you're hurting me more Every minute that you delay Ooh, hey, hey Oh, when you need me, 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 when you need me When you walk close up tight like this You're getting just a little bit too hard for me to resist So why don't you go on away, little boy Don't you just leave me alone, you know what I mean? Go ahead and take your things with you. Your, your albums and your normal Playboy magazines. And just go on, get out of my life. Now don't stand so close to me when you try to get that last goodbye kiss. I know your moves now. Well, don't prove me like this. <laughs> and don't, don't kiss my eyelids like that. And please don't suck my lobes like that and You're tuned to The Sharon Hour with Sharon James on Laguna's one and only KX 93.5. My guest tonight is lone yachts person Cynthia Shelton. She's become what's called a liverboard. When she first used the term, I thought it was like a cheese board, only with liver pate, but Liverboard means you live aboard your boat. And Cynthia has met a man doing just that, bought his boat and dumped the man.
So there, there I was knowing nothing about living on a boat in the Redwood City Marina, which is now closed. It was for 40 years, it was a liveaboard marina with, I don't know, 80% of the boats there were liveaboards, so that was a very tight-knit community. So and where is that, actually? Where it's in Redwood City in the Silicon Valley in the peninsula, so about seven hours north of here. And uh, a lot of dot-com kind of people there? Oh, yeah. Larry, luxury boats. Larry Ellison had his boat there for a while. Because it was close enough to Silicon Valley, he could go. And do you always meet people on these docks? Invariably. I, it's very odd to have a woman single-hander, apparently. I didn't know that when I started. I just thought it was something people did. And it turns out that solo women are rare. So, yes, people come out of the woodwork, which is why I wrote Doc Dorks, which is the comic book that I told you about. And it's all about the people who have approached me on the dock. (laughs) And the next one is coming out called The Berkeley Bubble. Now, when you say people have approached you, so how do you push them off? Because you're very pretty and you're young. Thank you. I don't always push them off. It depends on how they approach me. Sometimes they're friendly and helpful and nice. If they are officious and bossy and misogynistic, I definitely tell them to take a hike and go take a swim somewhere. And in close quarters, that's okay. There aren't repercussions. Well, they don't come on the boat. The The rule on the boat is if you enter the boat without permission, the captain has permission to hit, swing, shoot, whatever. Actually cut you your off. hand off in English law. Exactly. So yes, you do not custom. enter the boat. So I am. I feel like my boat is my safety zone. And if anybody steps aboard, I have license to do them damage. Fortunately, I have never had to, but I've had to be very stern with people. What do you have nearby to do damage with? Well, <laughs> somebody gave me... A a piece of their rigging, which is a big cable, big fat cable, and I put rubber on either end, and that would carry quite a wallop. Various and sundry sticks, which are thick and heavy and mean. A cop gave me a taser. I have various and sundry sprays, but you know, I really aim to never have to use those things. And that's true in any situation. I feel no less safe here than I do out there. There's no real difference. It's how you behave when you're with people, I think that lets you become a victim or not. Of course, there are bad places that you can go anywhere and you can get just as dead in little old Redwood City in California as in Somalia with pirates. I wasn't thinking of being attacked so much. I was just thinking of sort of unwelcome visitors or unwelcome attention. I'm good at saying, well, goodbye now. (laughs) (laughs) I have no need to be overly friendly to people who are obnoxious. No, I'm not even obnoxious, but if somebody comes on to you and it's unwelcome. Well, that's kind of why I started writing the comic book, because there was the guy next two boats down who would come and sit on the finger, which is part of the dock, which is kind of like my doorway. And he would come and sit there in the morning with a cup of what looked like coffee, but was really vodka or something. And he would just spend the day sitting next to my boat like a big puppy. So I started cartooning him in the hopes to get rid of him, but that just made it worse. And then he became the butt of a series of jokes. (laughs) And eventually I moved my boat to another part of the dock, which he was not required to walk through. So it would have been odd. So he didn't state his intention. He was just... Oh, no, he was lurking lurking around and being a puppy. He wasn't wasn't scary in the least, but he was irritating. He was trying to look in the windows... And there's a thing in the book. He's, he says, your, your windows are really dark. Like, yeah. <laughs> sort of intentional. <laughs> and you're saying, what? Well, it's just, they're really dark and hard to look into. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You're tuned to The Sharon Hour with Sharon James on Laguna's one and only listener-supported, member-supported public FM radio station, KX93.5.
My guest tonight is lone yachts person Cynthia Shelton, telling us her stories about living on her boat alone, encountering a very male population at the docks she moored on as she made her way from Berkeley to Dana Point Harbor. Guys started coming around and telling me how to do stuff, which I don't need to be told how to do stuff. And <laughs> and I, I started off nicely thanking them, but no thanking them. When they insisted, I got rude. And then I started cartooning them when they were really rude. That's my best offense is keep this up and you're going to be in a cartoon and it's not going to be pretty. But they don't know, do they? They, they do. Oh, they I do. would show it to them. Do you name them in the cartoon? Uh, I use different names for yes. most people. I would think they'd rather love that, actually, to be immortal. Well, it does speak to the ego a little bit, and there have been people who have demanded to be in the cartoon ship. But what's interesting is that when people read that, they think they know me. And really, it's just little snippets. Each page is a standalone, like a little um, anecdote that you might tell somebody, and they think that the culmination of that equals me. In fact, I'm a lot more complicated than 82 pages, <laughs> but they will reference my stuff, and I'll have forgotten it, what I said. But will they also recognize themselves? That would be interesting. There are some stereotypical characters. Every place I have gone, people recognize people. Dark dorks are everywhere. When I came down the coast, I stopped 13 different places. In every single place, there was an example of each of those cartoon characters somewhere. You're tuned to the Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX93.5. I'm Sharon James, and my guest tonight is Cynthia Shelton, who lives on her 30-foot boat. She has sailed solo down the California coast. She's a cartoonist, so at every dock she lands, she seems to find a stereotype liverboard, as she calls them, to illustrate for her comic book dock dorks, and I asked her to describe them for us. There's the, the drinker, the professional drinker, which you're going to find on land as well, but they're just so much easier to spot right. on the water. And they're, they don't have far to go. So and they don't just... have far to go. And oftentimes people will buy boats and just use them as a place to sit and drink or have a party. So here's the guy who would sit on my dock, and he's got the beer belly, and he's smoking the cigarette, and he's wearing just the, the shorts and the sunglasses and scraggy. There's the guy on the dock who knows everything and is in your face as soon as you dock and tells you what you should do. Do you hate it? I do hate it. <laughs> Don't try to tell me what to do. Don't try to tell me what to say. You're better off that way. Did you think that I was gonna give it up to you? Did you think that it was something I was gonna do? You're tuned to the Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX 93.5. I'm Sharon James. My guest tonight is Cynthia Shelton, who lives aboard her boat. She's going to tell us about her sailing adventures in a minute. But right now she's describing the characters that it's pretty much guaranteed she'll find on every dock she lands. Amongst the lurkers and the drinkers, there's invariably the know-it-all. 
And sometimes it's very useful because they know it all. So you can yes. say, where's the best place to have lunch for under $10? And they'll know on yeah. how to get there and which bus line and how much it costs and when they leave. And then there's when they come over and they tell you you've tied your dock lines wrong or you, you really ought to be careful of such and such. And that's the dock captain who's, who's in charge of everything. And there's always at least one person doing that job. There's the guy who's always watching, positioned on the dock so he can see everybody coming and going. It's sort of like living in a trailer park, probably. I'm afraid that is a good comparison, only the difference is if you don't maintain your trailer, it's not going to sink. That's right. <laughs> it might fall apart or burn up or something like that, which can happen to anybody's house, but there's a much more dire consequence to not maintaining your vessel. Also, there are rules usually in marinas about how your vessel is maintained. So if it's falling apart or it's fuzzy on the bottom, if it has a beard on the bottom or you haven't moved it for about three years or you're not pumping it out properly or something like that, people will come down on you. Whereas in a trailer park, you've got all those systems. The infrastructure is there. Yes. You are your own infrastructure. You are a floating island. You just happen to be tied to a dock. Theoretically, which is not to say that there aren't derelict boats. Talking about being a floating island, can you just park anywhere or do you have to go to a marine? There is a an old law, which I cannot quote what the law is, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere, where there, along the California coastline at least, that there are anchorages, public free anchorages that date back a long, long time. 1800s, I'm thinking. And that has not changed. Do you know how to find them? Or yes. They on some... They're on the charts. There are all <laughs> kinds of places and there's all kinds of rules. There's fewer and fewer of them, but they're protecting them as best they can. Some of them are not nice anchorages. <laughs> but so, for instance, in Catalina, there are plenty of places you can anchor for free. There's Have places... you ever moored anywhere that is um, not a marina? When my goal was coming down the coast, I was sampling every yacht club because I wanted to see how many reciprocals I could get. <laughs> Good idea. And also to see the burgee swap. And when you've been sailing for hours and hours, it's nice to have a shower and a cup of tea. And Do you have showering facilities here? I don't. I have a tank of fresh water in the cockpit, which I can use to wash my hair and stuff. And and you have a loo, I presume. And I have a loo. But it doesn't flush. I don't. Flush. It does flush. It, uh, it goes into a holding tank, and then I will take it around the corner and pump it out and come back. It's not that hard. It's just something you have to do. When I first started, I had six gallons holding tank, which is about four or five days. Now I have a 15-gallon tank, so it's more like 14 days. So every couple of weeks you go... Yeah, depending. I mean, I'm so close to the restroom. And here. is that an easy thing? You just stir. Is it a gruesome thing to do? It's... If you haven't gone out for a while, it can be maddening. And if the weather's not cooperating, it can be maddening. But essentially, it's easy. Okay. It's like a vacuum hose. You stick it in. There's a, a hole in the side that's got a lid on Stick a vacuum hose into there, and it <laughs> sucks it out. So you don't yeah, have no, to no, actually no. physically no, no, deal with it or look I mean, at it. No, I don't no, think no, you no. have to be superwoman to do this. No, you, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You can't, oh, I wish I were in a comfy feather down bed right now watching the tube. You have to say, well, this is what I chose, and I'm out here, and I'm going to make the best of this. And you are, how would you categorize yourself? Um, I don't know, because I've only met one other woman who's single hands and lives on her own boat, but she has a very different life, because she doesn't live on it full time, and okay. she doesn't sail single-handed very far. I've met older women who have done this and are now kind of relaxing. Mm -hmm. They found a port they like, and they're relaxing, and they're just having their life. And I find them very inspirational because I can see me 20 years down the road. This is still possible when you're 70, yes. you know, depending on your health and everything. But, you but can they still, don't go out But they it. might not. But I've known some men who are in their 70s 
and even 80s who still will take their boat out and they need help or they they should have people on board to help just in case and at some point people have to get off their boats that's the problem because at some point you don't want stairs it's too hard to clean it's too hard to maintain you can't is it very hot i mean we should go into that is it hard to maintain a boat? um Everybody's got their own sense of what clean is. My nose is the first thing to become offended, <laughs> but it's also very good. So if if the head is slightly off, I can tell. If I've spilled something in the lazarette, I can tell. What's the lazarette? The lazarette is the um, storage underneath the bench in the cockpit. So it's a big hole. They also call it the hell hole because you just throw things in there and then you go, oh, why did I do that? <laughs> um, but there was a case where underneath the stairs, I heard this hissing noise like that and I went what the and it kept going and I and then it would stop and then it would start again and then I smelled the smell and I couldn't quite place it my mind went to dead snake how about yours listener this is the Sharon hour I'm Sharon James this is Laguna's KX935 and you're listening to solo yachts person living on her boat with hissing sounds coming out of storage compartments Cynthia Shelton I took the stairs off, and it was a WD-40 can, and it had expelled oh, I it was a itself. Snake. No, no, it had <laughs> expelled all its contents into the rug and completely damaged the rug and made it stink like WD-40. I will now always recognize that smell. What about rats? Lots of rats. Not so much. For one thing, I have this little rat terrier who will okay. go berserk. Rats do tend to run up the lines and get on board. Rats, opossums, raccoons, cats. Uh, when I first started, I had a cat. And we would hear or see, you know, like walking along the gangway there uh, or the sides, we'd see the, these rats. And you could see through the window what it was. <laughs> and so it's a matter of keeping, keeping it clean, keeping the food out of the cockpit, and having an animal on board sometimes helps to scare them away. We were on the, uh, the hard, which is the haul out in a boatyard, and we were on stand, so the boat was six feet in the air. So you had to climb up the ladder. And they warned me. We do have raccoons that visit these boats, so just beware of that. So I'm in here with my dog at night, and we hear this, and this raccoon's climbing up the ladder and looks over the edge, and my dog starts barking. Now, I don't want him tussling with a raccoon. He's only 18 pounds. And they can be rabid. And they can be rabid and everything. So I started barking, too. And so the doors were closed. We could see out. He couldn't see in because it's a dark plastic do they care because they're like raccoons oh yeah like, yeah no we, we were both damn about anything we were barking viciously and and i saw the raccoon sigh heavily <laughs> he just he went <sighs> he climbed back down and we never saw him <laughs> again <laughs> funny those it was animals. great it was great it's like not this one guys there's two dogs on that one <laughs> and then austin and i did a high five and we were good <laughs> <laughs> very good yeah no the, i haven't I, I haven't seen any rats I know that they do come on board, but technically if you're keeping things clean and you're not spilling food everywhere, they have no reason to come in. And having good containers, which seal off the smells, is important. There's also other rules like don't bring cardboard boxes on board. If you get cereal, get rid of the cardboard box. Why? Because they carry bugs. So say you go get a box of fruit and there's bananas and whatever. It's very likely that the cardboard box that came in will have bugs in it and they will get out so you never bring boxes on board and they also turn pulpy 
because of the dampness in the air. Yes. They'll get moist and it's just useless. So finding other ways of containing things. This is usually full of these wonderful tins I got at World Market that all seal up. What else would you not think of if you were living on land that you have to do on a boat? Um... Well, also sealing things up, like fabrics and things, because they will collect the moisture in the air and they'll get damp and moldy. So bringing your clothes out, airing them out, or or having so few clothes that you just wear them all the time and they don't get an opportunity to collect mold, or putting them in some kind of a sealed container. So like that bin right there, which is a chlorine tablet container, so it cannot have water in it for pools and stuff. That is a perfect container in which to put things. And I have a fancy ballroom down with dresses in that container. Now, they have no business being on a boat, but I can't possibly get rid of them because I'm a dancer. You are. Yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) Truly. So here I am talking to my guest, Cynthia Shelton, on my share hour on Laguna's KX93.5, sitting on her boat that she's fixed up herself, done the plumbing, cleans out the head, fixes this and that, sails the high seas on her own. And she suddenly reveals that she's also a dancer. What kind of a dancer? Ballroom dancing. I love that. Okay, I'm going to title this Ballroom Dancer Living on a Boat. (laughs) So when did ballroom dancing come into your life? Uh, When I went on an exchange program to Germany. At what age? 17. It was in the mid-80s. And it was very popular to go ballroom dancing as a young person there. It was just starting a resurgence. And on my scholarship, I had a political godfather, if you will. We were all given somebody to connect with. And I had Rudolf Ruf of the CDU, which is the Christian Democratic Union. His people invited me to the Burger Ball, which is like the town... (laughs) Burger as in German German burger. Town hall. (laughs) And they informed me I could bring seven friends. And my seven friends informed me there would be dancing. So I needed to quickly learn samba, polka, rumba cha-cha. I mean, they had a whole bunch of things. And so we practiced diligently before the ball, and then we all went and had a blast.
was teaching ballroom in Catalina because I wanted to find other people and there's wonderful opportunities to dance in the casino. The swing dance festival, three days of insane dancing, it was wonderful. And the New Year's Eve ball and the ball that they give for the conservancy fundraising party every year. I mean, there's just wonderful, wonderful and full orchestras and I just eat that stuff up. I feel like I was born in the wrong era sometimes. Will you do it here? I would like to. I'll take a class. Okay. I will. <laughs> I've also found some other places that teach it. I mean, there's lots of places around here that have great ballrooms. Tell me, we'll go. And I would love to go because yeah. it's such a blast. And they give you usually a little lesson in the beginning, and then you dance for a couple hours, whatever you learned. And my whole theory is if you can walk, you can dance. The very first dances were called one-step dances, which is walking to a rhythm mm -hmm. with somebody else. And pretty much anybody can do that. Well, not everyone you're tuned to the Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX93.5. I'm Sharon James, and my guest tonight is Renaissance woman, sailor, cartoonist, writer, ballroom dancer, falconer, as you're about to hear soon. But first, a recounting of her inaugural trip from Northern California down to our area in Southern. As is her wont, she does it solo. The idea of living alone has always appealed, yes or not? I'd rather live alone than live with the wrong person. I had a man on the boat for four months, him and his dog. He was six foot four, just mm. imagine. And he didn't know anything about sailing. And he was an alpha male, and I'm an alpha female. So that's why it lasted four months. An epiphany came to me as we were sailing across the bay in the Bay Area. There was a San Pedro, and it's known for being choppy and difficult, gusty. And I was hanging onto the tiller. I don't have a wheel, I have a tiller. So I'm hanging onto the tiller, and I'm bracing myself against the other side, hanging on for dear life, because we are screaming across this bay. I've never moved so fast across this bay. And he's busy in the back yelling at me about the winch and something windless, and who knows what he's yelling about, but it has nothing to do with the fact that we are tearing along and heads need to be focused on what we're doing at the moment. And I thought to myself at that moment, I am single-handing this boat, and I'm getting yelled at. How much simpler would it be to single-hand this boat without getting yelled at? Yes. <laughs> and so he gave me the unexpected gift of confidence that I could do it without that nasty voice yelling at me the whole way. So I got him off the boat, and I said, you got to get your own boat. Go. I've never seen it again. At that point, had you set sail on your own before gave you the confidence to do that? I had done some single-handing. I had gone up in the Delta area by myself and had taken day trips, but I had not attempted to live without a marina. It's always nice to know you have some place to go home to, like the horse going home to the stable, and then you lock up, and then you're good. You've got your shore power and your water and your yacht club and your whatever. And so... This would be the first time that I had no place to go home to and I was just anchoring out anywhere I could find where I happened to be. 
Well, in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area, there's a lovely little cove, Treasure Island, which you can pull in and for four days you can stay for free. And I was there just as the America's Cup boats were coming in. There's a large landmass right in front of you that's protecting you from the other side. And I saw a mast, a good portion of a mast, taller than that sailing by and it was one of those ginormous America's Cup boats and it was just the biggest mast I'd ever I seen. was sailing at this no point. no I was anchored I had two anchors down front and back and I just thought I got to get out of here because that is the largest boat it was one of those catamarans and they speed right by you so fast you you want to say hi and they're like whoosh gone <laughs> so kind of scary because it's it's as if Suddenly you're playing out on the highway when before it was your backyard. So you're right in the park. So I wanted to leave before all that came up. So you set sail from San Francisco down to... Here. Avalon. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know Catalina existed when I left. I just, I had spent five years in the Bay and I had explored everything from the Silicon Valley down farthest south you could go to the farthest north you could go and everything in between. I explored all the sloughs and everything, the Delta, all the way up to Petaluma and... Napa. I went everywhere it was possible to go. And then I was done. I was ready to leave. I said, I'm going out the gate and turning left. And I, <laughs> my boat doesn't go north, so I don't think I'll be back on the boat. And everybody said, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> they didn't believe me. And then I did it one day. You're listening to the nautical tales of Cynthia Shelton. Cynthia's my guest on tonight's Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX93.5. She's been living on her boat in the Bay Area. She's ready for a change and decides to set sail solo for the first time on her own boat. I had no idea what to expect when I went out the gate the first time. I had never been on the ocean by myself. I had been in the bay, and I'd been on bigger boats because I worked for Hornblower, and I actually got to drive some of those enormous cruise ship thingies. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but that's different than being in a 30-foot boat that's yours, that you're responsible for maintaining, and if anything goes wrong, that's your fault. It's always the captain's fault. And I was trying to ask people before I went out, what is it like? And nobody could really describe it. So here's my attempt. In the small bowl that is the Bay Area, San Francisco region, it's like choppy little waves. It's like trotting on a horse. Out on the ocean, it's like galloping or cantering. The waves get bigger and rolling. So how, how many feet would you say? I, I don't know. Uh, some of the waves I surfed down were longer than the boat. The boat's 30 feet long. You know, when you see water behind and in front, oh, wow. and sometimes you're down in a trough where the water is up all the way and you can't see other boats. <gasps> oh, my God. So and it's like a wall of water. It's like a wall of water. And the amazing part about that wall of water coming behind you is you're thinking, that's going to crest over me and splash over the top of me. But no, you're just a little bit of flotsam and you just float up. It rises up underneath you and lifts you, and then you go into the next one. So sometimes it's like a roller coaster. Sometimes it's dead flat. Sometimes you have to motor, and you're wishing for wind, and sometimes there's so much wind, you're wishing to just Just give us a break, give us a break. And you have to take down every scrap of sail that you have so that you don't overpower. And you can be completely enclosed, right? These are watertight elements. Not watertight, no. No. It's like a tent. So it does leak through. Oh, yeah, no, it's not meant to be watertight. It's not a submarine. So it leaks through on everything, and you can't have anything out. Everything has to be put well, on Well, anything on a boat, you have to be aware that it could get wet at any time. Yes. So you don't want your cell phone out. You don't want your, you know, the GPS right there stays inside, and I have a swivel 
to turn it so that I can see it from the cockpit. And I can close the doors and look down at it so it stays dry. Do you have a good sense of direction? I do have a pretty good sense of direction, I'm pleased to say. And the travel down the coast gave me a better sense of geography mm-hmm. for the Southern California, which I had not explored at all. You're tuned to The Sharon Hour with Sharon James on Laguna's KX93.5, talking to boat owner, liverboarder, and now solo sailor, Cynthia Shelton. She's telling us about her trip sailing down from Northern California to Southern. How long did it take? Um, it could take a week if you just were very chug, chug, chug all the way down. I chose to take six months doing it because I stopped. I stopped in Monterey for a month. I was Halloween in Half Moon Bay, uh, Thanksgiving in Santa Cruz, um, Christmas in Monterey, New Year's Eve in Morro Bay. And how did you finance it? Had you got some savings or did you pick up work along the way? Both. It's not that expensive, particularly if you're using your reciprocals. Because <laughs> you stay for free. Yeah, and, and there were some places where I couldn't do that. And when I stayed for a month, I wasn't doing that. But it's relatively inexpensive, as long as you don't have to have very fancy. I wasn't doing anything fancy. I went to the grocery store. I didn't eat out. Can you sort of pick up work on the way, though? Every now and then, I'd sell my books, and I would give presentations. And oftentimes, the yacht clubs will give you dinner if you trade them an evening of entertainment talking about your trip because what happens is there's a yacht club and the majority of the people in the yacht club never go anywhere for some of them they don't even have any boats it's a drinking establishment it's and maybe they ha- like social. they like boats but they don't really travel so anybody who's doing that traveling coming in is kind of a celebrity they're like yeah tell us what you're doing and if they're socially engaging then all the better so i actually had a powerpoint presentation and i would give a talk and i'd try to make them laugh and they'd give drinks and dinner and and it was fun and everybody had a good time and then I'd go on to the next port and sometimes the weather was too bad we just stayed put when you say we so I had well my dog was with me on my boat but I had a buddy boater so um when I left the bay I had met a friend who had another boat who had always wanted to take the trip too but didn't want to go alone also single-handing so he had his boat okay and so we traveled in parallel but very different trips at least a quarter mile away from each other the whole time. We didn't want to collide. And very different trips because I have a complete cover for my cockpit. I can completely enclose it and I can see out and I can still sail with it up. So none of the cold weather irritated me whatsoever, the wet, nothing. Right. Whereas he was out cold the whole time. And oh. I didn't realize that until he informed me, God, it was really cold. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> said, well, you, you were sitting in a solarium the whole time. <laughs> And so you went all the way down here together, and then... Well, at one point, I just, I kind of needed to go do my own thing. And so when we got to San Pedro, I said, I'm going to go on to the next place alone and, you know, come down in a couple days. So, um, so I left Marina Del Rey, right? He, he had other stuff he had to do. So we went our separate ways, and then I stayed in Catalina, and he went off. He ended up sailing to Mexico, and he did all these other things. So he continued traveling, and I stopped. You're listening to The Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX93.5. I'm Sharon James, and my guest tonight is yachtswoman Cynthia Shelton. She sailed down the California coast and found Catalina Island as a mooring, a place she didn't even know existed before. I wondered whether she'd gotten seasick on the way. Sometimes everybody gets seasick at some point. There was one night I had never been out overnight by myself before on the ocean. And I didn't know what to expect, so I just went. (laughs) 24 hours, and we didn't have any wind. It was out of Monterey. The swells were high, and I have an outboard, which every time the back end comes up, the outboard cavitates, and it goes, right? So there's that, and I can't do anything about it. 
because there was no way of going any faster. So I had to listen to that all night. And then there was no wind, so the, the boom was slamming back and forth. So I tied that down so I didn't get any help from the wind. And that was a bit pukey-making because you're just at the mercy of the waves at that point. And then there's also the scariness in your stomach. It didn't feel scary so much as just tedious. I spent that night horizontal mostly, drinking warm water from the thermos because I couldn't get anything down other than that, and having to pee all the time, which was irritating because you had to stand up to go pee. Right, and this was was before I remembered that I had a drop bottom to my overalls, so I was taking off the PFD, the jacket, the suspenders, the, and I was doing the whole thing. Oh, my And God. then I'd be, and then I'd put them all back on. Oh, my goodness. And then later I gave myself a big dope slap because it's like, yeah, I remember I bought these because they had drop bottoms. Duh! But can you leave the tiller if you're lying down and exhausted? It's, and... okay, so I have an auto helm. It's an electronic push rod. So it goes into the side, and then it pushes back and forth. And adjusts the tiller. So I've programmed it. This is the electronic part. Oh. I programmed it to go to certain coordinates. So it's just trying to stay in the certain coordinates. And okay. sometimes it fails. I mean, and if, some, if there's another boat coming along. Mm, well, that's a different problem altogether. Will it Will it recognize No, that? heck no. That's, that's a different piece of equipment that I do not possess. <laughs> so what would happen if you were just lying there completely depleted and you had this on automatic? And there are crashes boat? that happen. The biggest problem are very large boats that don't see you. So having radar, which creates a blip on their screen, if they notice it, there are plenty of incidences of boats getting run down or crashing into somebody else or power boats going too fast through the fog and hitting you or something. So, yeah, there is that. But, you know, when I drove down from Colorado this summer through L.A. at night on the roads, which used to be six lane and are now two because they're working on them, and I was going 70 miles an hour, something like that, Looking at my GPS on my cell phone at night so I wouldn't lose my way, that was more dangerous than any sailing I have done so far. Just driving in L.A. I was appalled. You know, I'm right next to semis also going 70 miles an hour. One false move on anybody's part. We're all trusting each other not to suddenly turn the wheel and crash into somebody else and create a big pileup. Death any moment, not so much on the ocean. The farther away you are, the less likely you're going to run into somebody or you're less likely you're going to run into a buoy or a crab pot or any of the other things that are floating out there. And you do have to keep looking around. So that night I didn't particularly sleep. I was standing up looking around and I was looking for my buddy boater too because we had lights on and we were keeping an eye out and I could sort of see his mast in the waves. It was disappearing boat, reappearing boat disappearing because the waves were so crazy but were you in communication with them yeah we were on the radio we'd call in every now and then hey you okay yes okay so that was a comfort it was a comfort but we realized at some point that as much as you'd like to believe that your buddy boater could help you you're on your own maybe it's somebody who could say later well the last time i saw her she was in this area but but he would fall asleep And I wouldn't hear from him for hours, and he wouldn't respond to the radio, and I wouldn't know. And there was one time he fell asleep when we were going into Monterey, and I couldn't catch up with him, and I couldn't raise him on the radio, and he said he woke up to the sound of breakers, the the beach. You don't want to go on the beach when you're sailing along. That's a bad thing. (laughs) So I couldn't help him. You know, he was too far away to shout. I couldn't catch up. So it can be a disadvantage as well. Was it more fun when you were on your own? It's different. It was fun to have somebody who had just taken essentially the same trip that you had to be able to talk about it afterwards, sitting over a beer, going to the yacht club and going, oh my God, there was one point where there was a whale 
that came up right next to my boat and its flukes were as long as my entire boat and it did that marine world thing with its tail up in the air wow. right next to my boat so it could flip it easily that's not what i was thinking i was thinking where's the camera nobody else is yes. seeing this dog look dog look because <laughs> there was no one else who witnessed that on my own there was nobody to prove anything to, no one to look to to fix things. I had nobody to look to, so I had to solve it. My head was just in a different space. And now her body is too. A few weeks after my interview with tonight's guest on KX93.5's Sharon Hour, the multifaceted Cynthia Shelton, solo yachtswoman who's been living on her boat, moved off the boat in order to pursue another challenge that I briefly mentioned I was going to get into, but it doesn't really belong in this show, so I think I'm going to do a whole other show on it because Cynthia has a whole slew of stories in relation to this new pursuit that you're going to find fascinating to hear. Just to touch on it, because I'm also running out of time, in addition to her talents as a self-taught plumber, electrician, carpenter, and general misfixit, sailor, graphic designer, artist, cartoonist, ballroom dancer, writer, Cynthia Shelton has also accumulated expertise as a falconer. And she's currently, as I say, moved off the boat to expand her repertoire in that direction. She's living on an estate in San Juan Capistrano as an assistant falconer, also looking after a variety of other animals. And I'm going to pursue an interview on that for a future share in hour. One more thing Cynthia Shelton does, and that's sing, often for her supper, and creates her own words to things like classic Christmas carols. It's close enough to Christmas and fitting for the life she's been describing, living on the docks in the bay, that I'm going to play it for you now. And then we'll be back with one last word about an adventurer's attitude to life and death. Here is Cynthia Shelton singing her version of Walking in a Winter Wonderland. Gone away are the bat rays, here to stay is the nutcase. And slip 34 is the snoop next door, living on a dock by the bay. Pelicans open fire, bombardiers here for hire. Hey, do me a favor and poop on my neighbor, living on a dock by the bay. Who says every liveaboard is lazy, on the lamb or maybe on the dole? Not all of us are whack-a-moles or crazy, or psychopaths are briefly on parole. Later on, we will have some margaritas or buttered hot rum. Pretend we are crews instead of slip-bound losers living on the dock by the bay. Every liveaboard is lazy 
Shelton singing on the Sharon Hour on Laguna's KX 93.5, a reprieve from her nights sailing alone on stormy seas. Were you ever scared? Sure, but not in a, a knee-knocking, panicky way. Um, I've had moments of terror that had nothing to do with water. Being on something high up and stumbling a little and, and realizing that could have been the end right there. And when the prickles run through your body and you're just like, okay, for that... 30 seconds, you are frozen in terror. That hasn't happened on the water, and I hope it doesn't. There's many opportunities for that to happen. Yeah. Do you ever think of death or anything like that? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, that's part of a bunch of my friends have died too soon, I think, and pretty much my mantra has been life is short and then you die, so you might as well do stuff while you're here and give it your all. And there's no reason to stay home and worry, be fearful about what's going to happen because you know what's going to happen in the end. <laughs> just a question of how and so you might as well go for the gusto while you're here if you had to envision death how do you like to that die? is actually a topic of conversation among sailors and the mostly people say quick i've heard some people say i think i would like the boom to hit me in the head knock me out knock me overboard and i'll drown without knowing it that would be one way freezing to death might be a way that would be slow but sure but i wouldn't want to drown and know it and I certainly don't want critters nibbling on me before I'm dead. God, <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Well, I thought about when I know I'm done, making a little snow hut in Vermont and going out. Who knows when you're done, though? No, that's the trouble. I remember Catherine Hepburn saying, she said, I always thought when I get old enough, because she lived on a lake, I'd just walk straight into the water and not turn around. Wouldn't said, that be but romantic? But I got too old to do it. <laughs> on that note, it's goodnight from me, Sharon James of The Sharon Hour on Laguna's one and only listener-supported, member-supported KX93.5. Do become a member. We need and want your support. You can stop by the studio at 1833 South Coast Highway on the corner of Pearl here in Laguna Beach. Say hi to our DJs, Tyler, Jason, Brian, or you can go to our website, kx935.com see everything we're doing, all our shows and events, and you can sign up there. We would love to have you as a member. I love having you as a listener of this show, so here's hoping you'll tune in again next Sunday night at 6, and every Sunday night at 6. This is Sharon James of The Sharon Hour, wishing you a fabulous week ahead.